The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Greg Ducharme, and today we have a very, very special episode because today we have the 2008 Masters champion, CBS sports broadcaster, and uh, most importantly, the brother of our very own Mark Immelman, Trevor <laughs> Trevor, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much. It's nice to join you guys again. Thanks for joining us. We uh, Also, um, Mark Immelman, been a couple days without you. We've missed you a little bit, Mark, but welcome. Thanks, man. It's good to be back. I had a nice Memorial Day weekend. I was glued to my brother in the broadcast on Sunday afternoon, and I have not listened to your guys' post-game rap of it, but it was it was all sorts of fun, and what a great Memorial Day, man. It, it really was fun. Uh, so, um, Trevor. Wait, but, you know, but first, I've, I've got a question real quick. Does that actually mean that Mark took a few days off? <laughs> no, I was doing something. I was just, or was your, was, was, your, was, your <laughs> was your internet down, or what was going on? Yeah, well, you know, we've had some harsh storms rumble through the southeast here, so stuff happens. You know what it's like. I, you know, I I will say, Kyle Porter had a, a little power outage at his house, and he still managed to call in uh, to the CBS live, which was great. We welcomed him. We couldn't see his face, but it it was great. Um, yeah, but not not seeing his face is not a bad thing at certain times. <laughs> <of> the, <day. laughs> the guy's not even here to defend himself. Poor guy. That's exactly right. So Trevor, first of all, congratulations on a, a great event. It was a uh, a huge success, and the world of golf as a as a whole uh, had an extremely positive reaction. So how did how did you end up getting this gig? Uh, well, you know, I've done a bit of work for Turner over the last few years at the PGA Championship, and uh, it just organically happened. I think, you know, with this awful period that all of us have been going through with this pandemic. Uh, Turner was looking for a way to maybe get some sport, raise some money. Uh, and uh, this idea got thrown together pretty quickly and got a call uh, and was absolutely over the moon with the opportunity to be able to pull it off. And as we started to uh, discuss the way that it may play out and the different elements that the production team was going to try and bring to the broadcast it became more and more exciting and quite honestly more and more intimidating as well because we had so many different moving parts that we were trying to gel together and uh, a lot of icons involved in the broadcast and we were just trying to make sure that it could all meld together and and be entertaining for the fans at home our two priorities leading into this was number one raise as much money as possible for the, the different charities that were involved. And number two, how can we bring the most entertainment to fans at home and, uh, you know, around the world that have been starved for live sport over the last few months. So 
that was our mindset going into it. And uh, it seems like by the feedback we've received, people really enjoyed it. Uh, Trev, I think you guys hit an absolute home run with with the way you covered that show under some difficult circumstances. The mm-hmm. thing was, it, it was a banner show. And, and my question to you is, you you reference these icons, you these folks in the broadcast with you. Then you got four legends on the course mic'd up. I mean, how about the challenge of sometimes just not saying anything and letting the thing kind of breathe and play out because there's just so much on the go, you know? Yeah, you know, I'm comfortable with that. Just taking a back seat <laughs> and, and having a having a listen. Uh, the focus had to be on these guys that are some of the biggest names in American sport. And once we knew that we would have the ability to have them have IFBs and microphones on to where they could discuss things with us, we knew that at that point we just needed to be, you know, the guy trying to keep the beat in the background and make sure that we don't step on them and allow them to show their personalities and, 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 and the way that they like to trash talk each other and needle each other and their thought processes going through these different shots and how they're feeling from an insecurity standpoint or a confidence standpoint. And so that was really the focus that uh, we went into it with. We obviously also knew that we had, you know, this rising star in Justin Thomas. He's number four in the world and a major champion in his own right, very popular in the game of golf right now as we speak. And so we wanted to make sure that we made enough room for him to get into the broadcast and share his insights not only on the game and playing a bunch with Tiger and Phil, but also uh, from a standpoint of him being a member at Medalist, so knows mm-hmm. the golf course in and out. So, uh, you know, I give a ton of credit to Brian Anderson. I've been fortunate enough to work with him a number of times uh, with Turner. And the guy is just an absolute stud. Not only has a, a voice like Butter, but uh, really quarterbacked us through some tricky situations with the weather and equipment at times struggling and uh, he just did an amazing job it was uh, awesome to just be a tiny little part of it you mentioned brian anderson and this morning on a new breed of golf on sirius xm we had brian anderson on the show and he was uh talking about the preparation leading into the event and he mm. said in uh particularly that you trevor were ready to go if something happened to brian and he wasn't able to host that you were so well prepared that you could have taken over that role you could have played any position on the field that you needed to what was the preparation leading into an event with so many moving parts like yeah it was substantial and uh you know that's very kind of him to say those kinds of things i I wouldn't see myself as a professional broadcaster just yet but uh you know, I've had a little bit of a fast track over the last couple of years doing all sorts of different shows, whether it be with CBS or Golf Channel or Turner. And so have a small understanding of the ins and outs of it, but we sure probably wouldn't have been able to make it all the way through without him. But we were very well aware of the situation and the testing protocols. And look, we started taking tests uh, a week before the event and continued to do so all the way through the event. And so we were well aware of the risks and the the potentials that one of us would have to fall out and then the rest would have to pick it up. And so it was an amazing team effort. Uh, That's probably the thing that uh, I'm most proud of and the thing that I've most enjoyed over the last few years doing broadcasting is being a part of a team and coming together with one common goal and and really uh, shooting towards that. And the team that we assembled um, for that event really 
everybody lifted their weight from all the technical people, the people in the truck, uh, you know, the, the cameramen and women out there. It really was a, uh, a special thing to be a part of. Um, you speak of the preparation and such. I, I don't think you were prepared for having to uh, advise Tom Brady on a relief there on the <laughs> left side of the six hole, right? That actually turned out really well, I must tell you. Well, that's you know, one of the things that we knew going into it, we were going to have the opportunity to have a moment like that because they could talk to us and we could talk to them. Uh, you know, in the rehearsal on the Saturday, the players were great sports. They went out there and actually played four holes uh, and, and just to test all the equipment and we could get a feel for their personality and when they like to talk and, and we could dial all those kinds of things in. And so that rehearsal was just really went off very well and we knew we had the potential to to uh, to have a a pretty cool show and then you know when that weather rolled in and uh, threw us a little mm. curveball there we had to make some quick adjustments but yeah that was a lot of fun I, I was thinking to myself it must be so weird for a quarterback because they're so used to having the coordinators yeah. you know shout at them in their ears and scream out plays and what have you but he must have been thinking, where is this voice coming from that's telling me where to take this drop? But, uh, he, you know, he handled it like a beauty. And for me, uh, he got off to such a rough start. And let me say, Medalist is just a beast of a golf course. And they had these two quarterbacks at 7,000 yards. And you throw the rain into that, and this thing's probably playing 72 or 7,300. So it's a lot of golf course. Uh, and he got off to such a rough start. And, you know, right around the latter part of that first nine, when when Chuck started giving him some stick and then all of a sudden he makes that wedge shot yeah, crazy. <laughs> and, and uh, we had a little fun with that. And then the, the show really started to pick up some momentum and uh, we had a great second nine. I know for me that moment when Tom Brady hold the shot, I, it was a moment we talked about this yesterday. I, I yelled, I couldn't help, but, but yell out loud. What was it like being, uh, you know, having a, having a microphone on and being in that moment? Did, is, is there a moment there where, you turn from a broadcaster into a fan. Did you enjoy that from an entertainment perspective? Yeah, I, for me, I'm always a fan. You know, whether I've, I, I've got a microphone in my hand or I'm sitting home on the couch, uh, I'm just in awe of what these athletes are able to pull off when, uh, when that moment comes. And I got to be honest with you, it's myself and, and Brian and Chuck in the booth, and we all jumped out of our seats and uh we're loving that moment uh but then we very quickly had to check ourselves and keep quiet so we could hear what they were saying and that was a little unnatural because you want to keep going uh, but it was so important to hear exactly what phil and what tom were going to say and maybe even if tiger chimes in with a little something so we were uh, aware that we had to lay out and get get that exact moment and then for tom to uh, you know throw the shade back at chuck that for me was the moment of the day you speak of Barclay, uh, Barclay. I mean, you've worked along Brian a few alongside Brian a few times, but Barclay is one of a kind, man. Talk to that experience. Yeah, it it was awesome. Uh, like I've touched on, I'm such a massive sports fan, mm -hmm. and the show that him and EJ and Shaq and Kenny have, uh, the NBA show, NBA show on TNT, is one of my favorite shows on television. Uh, I try not to miss it at all. So many great moments. Uh, you know, with that crew. And so even though I'd never met him before, I felt like I knew him already because I'd watched that show so much over the years. Mm -hmm. And I, I got to say, he didn't disappoint. From the moment he rolled into the TV compound, he was just a joy to be around. 
uh, very gracious and personable with everybody there. Uh, just uh, an awesome guy with a great personality. And he loves the game of golf, which for me is so exciting. You know, we always hear the cliches about growing the game and, and how can we broaden our platform. Uh, but having people like that, you know, not only an icon when he was playing, but now as a broadcaster, the fact that they love the sport and want to be involved in something like that and enjoy playing, for me, is something that brings a smile to my face. Well, I tell you what, um, the the banter, the, there was such a natural air about you guys in the booth there. I, I think back to, I think it was the ninth hole when Tiger hit the sensational bunker shot, man. This thing floats out there and just lips out the edge of the cup and you go, wow, that's incredible. And Chuck's like, Trevor, you're supposed to hit bunker shots like that kind of thing. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of thing you get from him. I, I, I was warned about that uh, by, <laughs> by people at Turner. They were like, listen, you've got to be ready because he when at times when you don't think he will, he'll throw a question at you. So you got to stay on your toes and, and be ready for that. And that was one of those moments. And, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of times when we're sitting at home and we see these professionals competing and they pull off a shot, it's so easy to just think, oh, well, that's what they're supposed to do. But that shot that Tiger hit there yeah, really was, was so quite good, incredible. Yeah. You know, he's coming mm -hmm. from wet sand. He's got probably 15 feet of sand to cover. And then he's short-sighted himself. He only has a few yards to play with. And even though the sand is wet, you know, normally the ball is going to come out a little lower with a bit more spin faster. Mm -hmm. And he still gets this thing to float up and check in time to gimme. It's, uh, it's very, very impressive. The, the size of the swing, you took it that thing and it was just so graceful. I mean, it was, I know that for me, it was one of the shots of the day. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you, the guy is playing great. Uh, and <laughs> I was fortunate enough to watch him Friday and Saturday, and you know, they had a couple of nice games going on there in preparation. They had JT out there, Patrick Cantlay, Matt Wolf, Ricky Fowler. Uh, these guys are all out there with Phil and Tiger and, and Peyton and Tom having little games and trying to teach everybody the golf course. And I just got the sense from Tiger that, uh, you know, much the same as what we've seen out of Michael Jordan through this series, The Last Dance. Athletes like that pay a lot of attention as to what's going on in the media and what people are saying about them. Uh, they're always looking for something to give them that little edge when they come back. And I just got the feeling watching Tiger over those three days that he had paid attention to people saying, look, he hasn't played in 100 days. How's his back going to be? And he just came out looking as good as what I've seen in quite some time. Didn't miss a shot. Didn't miss a fairway. Short game looked sharp. Uh, he looked really skinny to me. I asked him about that. He said he's been playing a lot of tennis over the last month or so. He's only weighing in at 175 pounds, which made me a little depressed because wow. I'm 185 <laughs> right now. And I you said picked up him, a COVID few like me. <laughs> yeah, I said to him, dude, how are you weighing less than me? And, uh, you know, he got that smile on his face. But uh, he's looking good. And uh, the rest of the players on the PGA tourney to uh, – be aware here over the next few months when they kick things off again. With that new form and, and the, the way that the swing looked, I mean, it looked so fluid and uh, there were some things going on on social media. I, I don't think I saw a tiger watch a tee shot land. He knew right away. <laughs> every, every shot he hit, he knew where it was going. He didn't even. Yeah, he was, yeah he was going for the tee pretty quick. And uh, you know, a lot of times for me over the last couple of years, uh, since the back fusion, the thing that has improved the most in his game has been his driving, particularly when he goes to that fade. 
uh, even when he won the Masters in 2019, we saw him play a lot of fades down the stretch, you know, even at 17. Yeah. 17 is not rarely a fade hole. A lot of players try and take it down the right there and draw it back, and he stepped up under the gun and cut it off of the seventh green, basically, into the middle of the fairway. And so that's a shot that he really feels like he can go to. And so I'm used to seeing that now, but a number of times on Sunday, I saw him go to the draw with the driver. And that's something that he struggled with a little bit in this return. He tends to get a little bit stuck underneath and then doesn't get the face closed in time to get it to curve back. But even those were in the arsenal in those conditions on Sunday. So for me, that's a pretty good sign here. So are, are you thinking we're going to see a, a lot of Tiger in this uh, as the PGA Tour comes back? Or what, what do you anticipate from his schedule? And I mean, it sounds like you expect good play whenever he does decide to come back. Do you think we're going to see a lot of him or are you expecting a limited schedule? Yeah, well, first of all, I think I'm a little bit biased when I speak of his play because I got beat up by him for about 15 years. And so, <laughs> you know, I always just bow down at the altar when it comes to that question. Uh but, man, he's looking good. And as far as a scheduling standpoint, I tried my best for three days to get it out of him. Uh, he didn't give me too much. Uh, but knowing him the way I do and, and seeing his body of work over the years, look, the first thing that he pencils in is the major championships. From there, it's going to be the FedEx Cup. And then he's going to sprinkle stuff around that to where he feels like he can be ready for those events. Uh, I just get the sense that he knows that if he can find a way to stay healthy, then uh, Jack's record is still in play. So expert's opinion, do we see him perhaps in the first four weeks of the season, of this new season? I'd like to think we're going to see him at least once. Okay. Um, and, and, and that's what I'm going to go with. Uh, but he's also in a tricky period now with his career because he has to make sure that he's managing all these things really, really well uh, from a physical standpoint. Uh, you know, he's spoken often about what it takes for him to get ready for an event now. And so I think he's starting to find that formula over the last couple of years of exactly how much he can practice and how much he can do in order to be ready to come and play a PGA tournament. Because look, when he comes to play a PGA tournament, it's totally different to the majority of the other players out there. The stuff that he has to deal with on and mm -hmm. off the golf course is it's unparalleled. And so uh, there's a lot of moving parts when he decides to come to an event just from a security standpoint, never mind things that he has to worry about in his own game and with his own body. Uh, but I'd like to think he wants to get out there as soon as he can while he's feeling good, uh, you know, especially considering we haven't seen him since uh, the Genesis Invitational. And another... Um... You know, moving on to the other professional in the group and in, in Phil Mickelson, the, the USGA has made some changes to their schedule and there's no more qualification period, which leads to a lot of hypothetical situations when it comes to exemptions, special exemptions, um, which Phil has previously said he wouldn't accept a special exemption. Uh, in talking to Phil, did you get any insight on whether or not he would play in the U.S. Open if, if they gave him a special exemption? Has he, has he rethought that at all? What do you think about Phil's schedule going forward? Well, I didn't ask him that. Uh, I sure hope that he would accept the invitation. I sure hope that they would first extend the invitation if he needed it uh, and that he would go ahead and take it. The fact that he's had, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but six runner-up finishes in the U.S. Open, yep. and that's the only event that he needs to join the most elite group in our sport of having the career Grand Slam. Uh, I hope that he continues to play it as often as possible. Uh, the reason that 
I, I wouldn't have asked him that question. It's quite simply because I already know the answer he would have given. He would have told me that he's going to find a way to get into the top 50 in time to qualify on his own. And so there's no real point for me to go there because I just know that that's what he's going to tell me. Right. What I did speak to him about was his equipment and the way he was playing, the amount of work that he's been able to put in uh, over this last month or so. He said since golf courses and practice facilities have opened up in California, he's been able to get out there. He was particularly excited about this new driver that he had put in play. Uh, seems to me like he's aware of the fact that he needs to find a solution from a standpoint of, of hitting the fairway a bit more regularly. So he's moved the CG a little uh, further forward on his driver. Feels like that's given him a shot where he can flight it down and, and, and maybe uh, get one out there down the middle. Uh, we didn't see too much of that on Sunday. It uh, looked <laughs> like he was trying to, trying to drop a few bombs on us. But uh, in practice, he was talking me through these shots and pulling them off while he was telling me what he was going to do, just like he did with that chip shot on the second hole. And so uh, maybe just with Phil, he knows exactly what he's got to do, just needs a few more reps to feel comfortable with it. Another guy just like Tiger that I'm never going to count out. You know, for a guy to have been in the top 50 in the world rankings from 1993 to 2019 without falling out, uh, you know, I've played on tour for 20 years. That is, it's it's hard for me even to describe how good that is. It is off the charts, mind blowing. So you would say then, given your description of preparation and warm up and the mindset and such, that the sort of scrappy play by his standard on the day was just a function of the weather, really, or was was there mitigating circumstance otherwise? Well, it would be easy to write it off to that. I mean, it was brutal out there, mm -hmm. really, really, really bad, uh, and. What I thought was really cool and authentic and one of the reasons why I think the broadcast worked was that he even spoke early on of being a little nervous and a little tight. Yeah. And, you know, when you get out there and you're competing under pressure like that, uh, quite often when you do start and you're a little tight and you've lost the rhythm in your swing, it can be difficult to find it, particularly when the conditions are like that. Uh, but he did start to hit some better shots on that second nine. You think of the second shot he hit into 10. The drive he hits on 11 in there to 15 feet was extremely special. <laughs> uh, seven, uh, 16, excuse me, the part three, he hit it in there tight and made the putt. Hold a great putt the hold before that on 15. And so he did start to find a little something. And then when he needed it there on the 18th, he hit that uh, controlled shot off of the tee down the middle on a very intimidating tee shot as well. So... Uh, all in all, I would give his game like a B for that day uh, with room to improve. But I think that he's on his way to getting there. And by the time that he tees it up on the PGA Tour, he'll be ready to go. Okay, I know we're, we're running up a little bit against time here. But uh, as we said earlier, this event drew record-breaking numbers, especially for, for a cable TV golf event. In your opinion, what can the game of golf do to keep this momentum going forward, to keep golf trending on Twitter and other social media platforms? Great question. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, if we would be able to take certain elements of this broadcast and bring it to a traditional golf broadcast, I'm not quite sure. That remains to be seen and, and are decisions that need to be made by people that are much higher up the food chain than what I am. Uh, there has to be something there uh, for fans of our sport 
and people that are just fans of sport and not necessarily paying too much attention to golf to have paid attention to this event and have gotten behind this event, to me, was quite interesting. And so I absolutely think that there were some things and elements involved in that broadcast that we should be able to try and bring uh, to our traditional uh, broadcasts and, uh, and try and get these people involved. You know, it's, uh, it, it was just a lot of fun to be a part of. It felt a little bit looser. Uh, it felt like a lot of fun. The players were having a great time. And uh, that's what it's all about. You know? It's just having a great time with a sport that we love. Hey, one more question. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this, Trev. I mean, you've spoken Tiger, you've spoken Phil, you referenced Brady. Peyton, to me, was almost the star of the show. Right? Talk a bit about your impressions of Peyton Manning for the, the, the event and certainly the lead up to the, uh, to the match. Yeah, we got that feeling early on. Uh, once we got on site on Friday, he uh, was just so good. The stuff that he was saying the way that he was engaging everybody, the needle that he was throwing out there was just so smart and well-timed uh, that you know, we knew that he really could take over and, 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 and be the catalyst for these four guys to get them going. Uh, I felt like he was going to play pretty well too. You know, When you see a guy with such a big grip and he knows that he needs to aim right to be able to play for that draw, I saw that early on. When I watched him play a few holes, he looked like a very useful player and somebody that could be uh, consistent in at least knowing what to expect from his game. And that showed up. I mean, he had a number of great iron shots and, mm. uh, and, and was into it. All I'm saying is a network out there needs to find <laughs> a way to get yeah. this guy on an NFL broadcast ASAP because he would be as legendary as what he was when he was playing. He, he is so special. He is, he is an incredibly special individual. I wonder if he's just too busy doing commercials. We all love the, the commercials that he does. Changing, but... Or changing hats. <laughs> changing yeah, hats apparently I tell you key. what, he, he, he had a multiple hat strategy going there, and that was a lot of fun as well. He had, a, he had a bag next to him in the cart, and he just kept bringing out fresh hats. So that was kind of cool. But he had so many great stories for us over the three days that we were down there just a fantastic human being and you know like i touched on during the broadcast for four icons of american sport to use their platform and to come together when the whole world is struggling to raise 20 million bucks in an afternoon it's uh it's mega inspiring and uh and and i really am thankful for the fact that uh, they went ahead and got behind this project and and pulled it off beautifully it was uh, a, an incredibly special event for that reason that you just mentioned. I mean, raising $20 million for, for this cause coming together is, it's something that the game of golf can do that I don't believe any other sport can do. So um, I, I know for me, I, I thank you, Trevor, for being a part of that uh, and being a part of making that happen. I thought you did a great job, but thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was a pleasure. Anytime. Thanks so much, guys. And Mark, thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I mean, how often do I get to get on a show with my younger brother who, incidentally, this is not just the big brother talking, slayed it. I mean, that analyst job, you talk about Peyton Trev, that, that was that, that was high octane, your, your work on the weekend. Well done, man. Uh, I appreciate it, bro. Thank you. It was very special. Hey, if, if you like what you hear, give us a follow at the First Cut Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow on uh, follow Trevor on Twitter at Trevor Immelman and Mark on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. And of course, you can follow myself at The Real GFD. Thank you so much for listening. 
We'll talk to you next time. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.